The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. If you're just now joining us, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. We're in season seven, where we're writing the consumer health playbook and answering the questions, who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? Let us know what you think about this episode and what topics you're dying to hear about in future episodes by reaching out on LinkedIn or Twitter at Healthcare Wrap. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Aaron Martin's return to Amazon after eight years leading Providence's digital health group. Many digital innovators that health systems need are going to leave. So how do we attract and retain digital talent? I'll talk about that. Then Logan Breyer from Henry Ford Health is in the house to share some provocative thinking about career planning for young professionals in the healthcare innovation space. This is the third in a three-part series for early career professionals, those with a few years of experience who are looking at what's ahead. Logan shares his journey as an early career professional, what excites him about the fields of healthcare and technology, what he sees as the biggest challenges in these fields, and what he would tell his younger self if he was back at the beginning of his own career journey. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. Many of the digital innovators that health systems need are going to leave unless things change. So let's not tiptoe around this, because the news about Aaron Martin's departure from Providence tells us that this might be the perfect time to start talking about it. You may have heard the news that Aaron, Providence's chief digital officer, is returning to Amazon after eight years. Martin led Providence Ventures, their $300 million health tech fund. He first came to Providence from Amazon, where he was one of the lead executives on the Kindle e-reader. Under his leadership at Providence, the health system spun out two digital health companies from their digital innovation group, including DexCare, their platform as a service digital care operating system that's somehow flying under the radar but has massive upside in providing that mythical connected digital consumer experience. According to Bloomberg, Aaron will now help Amazon deepen its partnership with medical providers as it tries to inch its way into the healthcare space. If there's a list of impactful health system leaders with the vision to change the tide, Aaron has always been near the top of that list for me. He's continually shared a vision of how traditional sick care is being disrupted and has pled for leaders to open their eyes, see what he sees, and get to work. I've quoted him many times on this podcast. Now, I'm not privy to any details about Aaron's departure, but the trend of digital innovation talent leaving health systems is real, all the way up to the highest levels. And the upcoming generation of innovation leaders isn't really begging to enter the health system ranks. 
They hear about digital health startups, consumer brands entering the space, and yes, even consulting. All opportunities that appear to have the impact and the compensation they're looking for. Health systems don't typically appear near the top of that list for them. Now, the mission component of working for a health system is important, but it's rarely enough to retain digital innovation talent long term. And above the usual costs of turnover, there seems to be an especially precipitous drop-off when digital talent leaves, because they frequently champion long-term projects that can take time to bear fruit. So when the evangelist leaves, those projects frequently get shelved. Now, you might think that I'm reading into this too much, but I can tell you that in many health systems, there's a fundamental collision between innovation and operations. The ones looking ahead and the ones saying, yeah, that's great, but I'm too busy to change right now, so talk to me later. The point is that it isn't just clinical staffing that needs to be addressed right now, and it's a legitimate question to ask why we're not talking about this more. So what do digital innovators want? They want to move faster. They came to your organization to move fast and make a difference. And that's frequently at odds with the bureaucratic, provider-centric nature of health system org structures. Tell me I'm wrong. Innovators also want you to have their backs as they challenge that bureaucracy and inertia that's kept you where you're at. That's why you hired them in the first place, to challenge the status quo. It's a messy business. Sometimes it gets bloody. They need you to have their backs. What can you as leaders do to keep them? You can prioritize operationalizing what they're trying to do. You can be their advocate when operations and clinical leaders tell you that they don't have time to change. And you can lead out in making innovation part of the culture for everyone, instead of it being something that just one team does in a lab. It's time to open an honest, ongoing conversation about attracting and retaining digital innovation talent at all levels in hospitals and health systems. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. All right, this week we're kind of getting a double team. Uh, Zane and I are here with Logan Breyer. Logan's the manager of Henry Ford at Work with Henry Ford Health System. And Logan's going to share some provocative thinking about career paths and career planning. We're going to really dig into how he sees the world and, and opportunities that are here in this field. I think all three of us would agree that there is a lot going on and a lot of opportunity. Now the question is, how do we find that and how do we do it? So first and foremost, Logan, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Thanks so much, Sharon. Happy to be here. Zane, what do you what do you think? Uh, where, where should we get going? I, I know the two of you know each other, but my main question, and then I'll totally turn it over to you guys. Logan, I'm going to channel the Prof G podcast. He always starts every podcast asking, uh, where does this podcast find you? Where are you talking to us from? Yeah, I'm, I'm based in uh, Detroit, Michigan. I'm originally from Toledo, Ohio, and have recently uh, moved up for, for my new role here at Henry Ford. That's awesome. Uh, so I need to confess, you're right. So Logan and I are friends. So I do know a lot of the answers he's going to give. So this will be fun, funny and I'll hold him to it if he gives the, the wrong answer or not the full picture. Um, but Logan, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do currently? And then when you have a second, tell our listeners just a little bit about how you got to where you're at today. Because I think it's very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So currently the manager for Henry Ford at work, like Jared said, we are the direct to employer facing services for Henry Ford Health System. In a nutshell, basically, we contract with employers in the area, Southeast Michigan, and when we deliver health services to them in a, in a little unconventional way than the usual 
usual occupational health that many probably think of. We do have our clinics that that we deliver those services, but we offer a little different model where we come on site actually and deliver those services. And we also basically partner with our employers and our clients to customize packages that best suit their employees to deliver the most comprehensive package for them to improve their health and wellness as an overall population. But also, you know, modeling that to, to make sure that they're, they're having cost savings with production, they're having retention rates, they're offering benefits to keep their employees around, but also keeping them healthy and having them at work instead of at home at sick. So a different model, but uh, we continue to innovate and we continue to, to kind of press that envelope to, to deliver a, a new package untraditional to the normal occupational health services that most are used to. That's awesome. And so when you say services, can you describe like a few of what they are? So like primary care, like yeah, absolutely. I think we've begun with normal primary care services, but we're developing to expand as much as possible. So that's anywhere from coming on site to do vaccines. Obviously, COVID being a hot topic, we're coming on site to do testing. We also embed ourselves actually in these organizations in setting up on-site clinics. So we have a nurse on site to develop health programs, to do triaging at point of care, to understand you know what level of service do these employees actually need at the time of maybe getting hurt at work or coming in and not feeling well. And it cuts down on those unnecessary health visits for those employees. So instead of sending them to an ER that obviously are expensive to the employee and the employer, we can assess and triage those patients right on site and get them the point of care that they need right away. Um, So a a lot of different models, we've we've introduced tech into that. So utilizing uh, Tido Care to have triaging with physicians right on site and getting them the point of care that they need. Also connecting them with the health system, utilizing our depth and breadth of having a health system backing us. Not only are we on site, but we also have the resources that the health system provides to get them the most comprehensive care that we possibly can to get them back to work and keep them healthy. Very interesting. So we talk about a lot of disruptors on the show, be it Walmart or Amazon or Crossover Health, and it seems like a lot of them are into that space. So it's cool to see that Henry Ford Health System is doing something similar to compete. Could you tell us a little bit more, you know, you talked a little bit about the business model. Are you guys like charging insurances or is like, how does the payment work? Is it something oh, actually covers? Untraditionally, we're not charging insurance. We're, okay. we're direct to employer contracting. So we set up these contracts and they're negotiated with the employer themselves. And we negotiate those prices for services. And, and really, it's we like to consider ourselves having menu items and customizing that package with our menu items that are offered to fit them the best. So we're not a one-size-fit-all. We really have them uh, have discussions and understand you know, what they want out of our services. And then we can package that and charge them a price for the packages. That's very cool. And so if I'm understanding it right, then the employee at the point of care isn't paying. It's basically a benefit covered by the employer. Right, exactly. It's, it's a different model in the fact that typically, you know, you have your, your employee has health insurance and then also the employer is covering their employees. At this point, it's almost like an investment in my mind to sure. the overall health and wellness to manage the overall expense for healthcare for their employees. So it ends up being a cost savings for the employer. And it's also a much more convenient model for the employee to have access to healthcare at their most area that they spend the most time at, which is at sure. work typically. Sure. Very interesting model. So question for you, most you know, younger careerists or you know, folks that are starting into healthcare usually, I have found, are chasing like 
hospital CEO roles. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear the story on how it is you found yourself in the direct employer space. I think the best way to start is probably telling you a little bit about my background. Please, um, please. I grew up a fourth generation owned family owned construction company. So my my childhood was was naturally introduced to business uh, without me even realizing it. You know, none of my family went to college. I'm a first generation college grad, which is exciting. Um, I had an opportunity to go a different path. And while I was there, I had just a natural skill set from being introduced to business my entire life. I ended up finding my way into healthcare through some trial and error and understanding what I really wanted out of, out of my own personal life. And then coming to Henry Ford as an administrative fellow, kind of following the traditional path, I was introduced to Henry Ford at work through really our vaccine efforts. I was in the midst of, you know, obviously the vaccine push early last year, and it was introduced to the to Susan Green and her team at Henry Ford at work. And it was a, it was a perfect match because of my natural exposure to talking with other businesses through my father's business growing up and negotiating contracts and understanding just normal business. And then, and then matching that with the opportunity that Henry Ford at work gave me with dealing with these external organizations and then and then pairing that with my new passion and my new role with Henry Ford and providing health services for them. So it ended up being a perfect match uh, utilizing my my natural skill set and also just my passion for bringing healthcare and changing the delivery model entirely. The normal hospital operations blocking and tackling wasn't necessarily something that interests me a, a ton. I you know no disrespect to, to any of that. I, I enjoy and I appreciate the hard work that goes into it, but I wanted something a little more comprehensive where strategic planning and all of the above. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. What would you say has been the most interesting and surprising thing about, you know, going to work within a a hospital system or or even within the direct space that you're in? As an early careerist, it's wrapping your head around how long things take in a health system Mm. to change. I think you know, from my background and also just being younger and ambitious, wanting to change right away. You want things to happen. Sure. Um, so it took me time to understand that, you know, you have to work your way through different channels and understanding that, you know, being in a, a large health system, there's a lot of channels and a lot of a lot of people that you're impacting when you make those changes. So sure. kind of changing my perspective of small incremental changes towards a larger vision is probably more important than making these big drastic changes right away. And I think that's something that healthcare struggles with entirely throughout the nation. But as a early careerist, you know, wrapping my head around that was uh, was a change. It was, mm-hmm. it was a little surprising, but, you know, you live and you learn. That's fantastic. Were there some you know, some moments before you got to where you're at today that you would say were like key moments in your career that either inspired you one way or taught you things? What were some of those moments? Yeah, I think in the very beginning, it was finding my way and what I wanted to do as an administrative fellow. Mm-hmm. I think bouncing around and getting project work in different areas was really important because not only did it show me my interests, but it also showed me things I really didn't want, did not like and did not want to do. And then I think the spark of being introduced to Henry Ford at work through vaccine work and going out to these different employers and talking with them and meeting with CEOs and meeting with chief HR uh, leads for these organizations and creating those relationships. I'm a very relation-based person. So I loved interacting with with these leaders from from different organizations and being kind of the, the, the source of hope to these groups because we were coming with the vaccine. We were providing really resourceful information that 
many people didn't have, and, and they were kind of under the radar with what was happening. So being able to come in and provide that, educate them and provide mm-hmm. solutions to get them back to work, to keep them safe, sure. uh, was really changing for my career. And it, it's sure. like a passion I didn't even know I had. So really important. And, and it was definitely career changing. Sure. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Healthcare marketers juggling lots to do. Gotta keep patients healthy. Coming back to you, knowing which words will lead more patients to act is not an easy feat, as a matter of fact. Competition heating up, new players on the rise. Persado has the right words already optimized. Just plug in the content, turn it on, and your campaign blues will soon be gone. Persado provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized marketing messaging focused on improving health goals and business objectives. Persado's journey-based content uses the right words proven to drive conversions among the customers that matter most. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com. Healthcare is an industry where women make 80% of buying decisions and are 65% of the workforce. Yet women are notably underrepresented in industry leadership, making up approximately 30% of C-suite teams and just 13% of CEOs. The Hit Like a Girl podcast ensures that more women's voices from healthcare and health IT are heard in an effort to inform policy as well as to help more women advance within the industry. I'm the show's founder and host, Joy Rios, and I interview women leaders to amplify their work. New episodes are released weekly on Mondays and Thursdays, and you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Health Podcast Network, or wherever you tune in. To find out more, you can follow us on social media or go to hitlikeagirlpod.com. Okay, back to the flow. So when you think about some of the clients you're working with, the big employers, you know, big and small, you know, what are some of the needs that you that you see them bringing to the table that they're asking you to solve? And, and you know, I guess what I'm ultimately getting at is like a technology question. Like, what what is the future of this space based on the needs that you're seeing? What's coming? Or, or yeah, what? I think the understanding of their population as a whole is super important because mm-hmm. some of these larger employers. They have so many employees, it's hard to get a grasp on the overall health and wellness of, of their population. And so, you know, bringing on tech and being able to do full biological scans on these on the population and understanding their overall health and then be, being able to provide that with a quick and easy viewpoint is super important for them to understand. And then also providing them access, providing them easy on-demand access for them to get the care when they need it and right away so that they can get back to work and get healthy. For example, we've created an orthopedics on-demand program that Mm. we can get folks that are injured that need an orthopedics consultation right away. So instead of trying to schedule an appointment for two weeks out, we're getting them in within 24 hours. And so they're getting the consultation, they're either getting the treatment that they need or they're getting scheduled for a surgery that they need right away instead of having to wait and go through the normal process. I think that's what they want. I think that's where the world's going. I think consumerism is is driving change and it's 
driving the way we deliver care. And so we're going to have to adapt. And I think tech helps us and enables us to do that. But I think that there's a there's a balance between how much we push and how much that we have to utilize it to our advantage. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it takes us, but I think it's the future. My mind is sort of spinning as you're speaking, because on the show, we often talk about you know, the patient as the ultimate end consumer. And I realize now that sometimes we forget the employer. Like we always talk about the payer being the insurance company, but forgetting that it's really, in most cases, those that are under commercial insurance, it's the employer intending to their needs. Right. And so very, very interesting. Do you feel like um, this space is like a, a growth space for the industry? Is it growing, shrinking? I think that the change in healthcare for the future is with these relationships for employers. Because to your exact point, at the end, they're the ones that are paying, right? And so they want to control that and they want to manage their costs as as efficiently as possible. So you you talk about the disruptors that are coming into the space, right? So Amazon, you have your Rite Aids and CVSs and et cetera. They deliver these consumers, you know, point of care options. But I think where we differ and where we can help grow is, is really embedding ourselves with these organizations and and clients where the relationship becomes so strong that we're meeting their demands before they they even know they need them. We're we're, Mm -hmm. we're showing them what they need before they need it. And so they're staying ahead of that curve and managing the costs way more efficiently than they would be by reacting to what they need. So I I think they're recognizing that. I think think employers are recognizing this opportunity. And I think that we're, we're able to show them the benefit and the value that we can bring to their organization. So I think that the future is going to be developing these relationships even further. And, sure. and as we use the, in our personal experience, the backing of our health system to give them resources beyond just what we can provide, but at a very efficient and a very connected and, and comprehensive mm-hmm. manner, it's going to bring tremendous value in the long run. Sure. Um, I'm laughing in my head because you're speaking the language of human-centered design and some of the... Uh, <laughs> Isn't, isn't that right, Jared? Some of the things that he's been saying. Yes, I think it speaks to the fact of as a discipline, as an industry, Zane and I talk about this a lot, about how we use different terminologies to even describe a lot of these tools and resources and worldviews of how to design ultimately an experience or service that incorporates all of the findings that you just described. And so that process is something that we're definitely seeing varying levels of awareness and usage, you know, across the board, as you might expect with a lot of different health systems. And and so the ability to raise the awareness of the effectiveness of human-centered design principles and give examples like you just gave is really valuable. And I think it's a conversation that really frankly need, needs to be shared more. And so I think having having that as part of the work you're doing and sounds like, you know, part of the work that you enjoy doing uh, is really, really fun for us to hear. Awesome. I also like to the comment around like doing things within the context of relationship as opposed to like transaction. You know, as I reflect on some of the most innovative projects I've ever been a part of, as I think about it, it's all been within like true relationship where there's freedom to like share and try and test and maybe not have the right answer right away, but eventually you get there. So I think that's also you know, something I'm taking away from this conversation. There's an extreme level of trust that has to be built for some sure. of these ideas to be successful. Uh, I think I spoke to it earlier, but there's there's small incremental changes that have to happen for this overall vision, right? And there's a lot of resources being invested into that process. There's there's time, there's, there's actual financial resources, there's human capital. And so 
all of this investment into the overall bigger picture, these small incremental changes have to take place first. And so that that level of trust that maybe we're not moving mountains in a day, but in a month that we're seeing these impacts or the next year to the bottom line for their organizations and cost savings, there's that level of trust that has to be built. And there's relationships that drive that and, and just understanding the the work that's been done and the success that we've had and, and trusting that we can replicate that and scale that to their organization. It's really important. And it's probably my favorite part of the work that we do is creating those relationships and building that trust within the organization. It's proven to be successful so far. So it's, it's exciting. Perfect. Let's change the conversation back to your career. If you were to, um, you know, look at your younger self, not the girls, <laughs> you know, what advice would you give yourself? Like if you're just starting out again or advice you'd give to others, you know, that we're trying to pursue careers um, in health services. I would look back and tell myself to take some pressure off of knowing right away what I wanted to do. And I go back to finding this really organically, this career path that just kind of fell into my lap through an opportunity that I didn't know existed through, you know, my traditional education during my master's degree. It's areas that you they don't talk about. It's very traditional in the way that we're educated. And so I think there's opportunities out in, in healthcare that young careerists don't even realize are there. So it's being open-minded. It's being vulnerable to opportunity and understanding that your career path that you have mapped out in your head might not be the way that it goes, but there's, there's an even brighter path that you may stumble upon. And once you go down that path and, and you find your true passion for what's, what fits your skill set, but what also makes you happy every day coming sure. to work, it's super sure. important. And so I think I put a lot of stock into thinking that I knew it all right away. And, and I would tell myself to relax a little bit and to enjoy the process. Because if you don't enjoy the process, it can be tough. It can be very difficult. And so enjoying that and, and enjoying learning from others and enjoy just the experiences that you get to have until you kind of land on your path is, is really important. So sure. I think that's what I tell, tell young Logan coming out of college. Okay. <laughs> what are some, and maybe more tactically, some like clear doors or entryways into health services. Like I know you talked about administrative fellowships. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'd invite you to explain what that is. I don't think everyone knows what that is. I'll start with the administrative fellowship. It's a pretty traditional career path for young uh, MHA students, masters of healthcare administration, or there's a, there's a lot of different, very similar degrees, but it's really just, it's a, it's an opportunity to get within an organization and start at an administrative level, but without the super pressure of performing right away, it's really a learning experience is the best way I think I can describe it. So you come into an organization after you get your administrative fellowship for Henry Ford, it was one year. Sometimes there's two year paths. There's, there's different paths for, for each organization across the country, but you spend that year really understanding what and finding what you want to do in healthcare. You get project work across the system. You're working with multitude of teams and leaders and in your precepted typically by a senior level leader within the organization. My leader was, or my preceptor was Bob Ryan, the CEO of, of Henry Ford Health System. And so you spend that time as with a, with a preceptor being mentored, bouncing ideas off of them, getting advice from them, and really just learning from them, kind of in the shadows of watching them at meetings and how they conduct themselves in the public. So you're exposed at a high level to to senior leaders. You have you have basically all access to the senior leadership team and and really you know high end projects that they're working on. So you're exposed to a lot of 
cool opportunities to network with others from other organizations with consultants coming in to help the system navigate those projects. And so it's really a year, I kind of call it the key to the city, uh, sure. for the year, the key to the health system. You, you kind of get to do what you want and you make it your own. Now there's some others that are more structured and they have much more of a structured path where you do rotations, you know, throughout the health system. That just, I didn't think that would fit well for me. I think that I, I made the right choice in kind of making it my own and, and sure. this path. But there's there's all kinds of different opportunities. I think that the consulting route is usually one that that new graduates tend or tend to uh, to gravitate towards. That's an opportunity to move to a new city. It's an opportunity to travel uh, in normal times, you know, not pandemic times, but um, it's an opportunity to network as well and and meet cool people like Zane and and Jared and and get to work with different professionals across the nation instead of kind of kind of being pigeonholed into one health system. And then there's also just the typical early career management positions that that folks can get into clinical management and kind of working your way up. And I don't think there's a wrong route for anyone. I think that it really just depends on your your goals, your personality, how, how ready you feel to enter the field. You know, you go through pretty rigorous education to understand the industry itself. But some folks need that experience and that exposure to a smaller level of management and leadership before they feel ready to to move on to a different role. So I think that there's, there's a multitude of ways to get in, but, you know, I think people find the route that fits best for them. My personal opinion is I don't think consulting is the best right out of school. And I'll explain why maybe in another episode. I mean, I think our listeners know I used to work actually for Henry Ford and in a big health system. I think it's impossible to really learn healthcare until you're in it. And so to go and try to give advice, you know, on a, like from a like peripheral standpoint, I think is, I think there's a better route, but anyhow. I look back to our, just our relationship, Zane, and, and how we navigated together and you helped me. <laughs> You help me understand some of the the nuances to the the health system and the health industry that I, I wasn't aware of, and so I learned so much just from being around you, but also the the situations that we were put into working together. There's a lot to navigate, and I and I agree. I think that being exposed to that, I think really only comes from being in it. Yeah. I think you can't understand it and you can't appreciate it until you've really been exposed to it, and it's really important to understand just the industry and and how things work. Agree, agree. What would you say, Logan, are some like, you know, tactical, like general skills that, you know, earlier careerists need to think about building right away as they step into healthcare, maybe right before they come or as soon as they're in, they need to get good at doing X, Y, Z. What are those things? I think in a general sense, and there's there's specifics to your goals and, and depending on what you want to do after, but I think one really, really important is just communication and people skills. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can get anything done in this field without being able to relate to folks, being able to manage properly, to be able to have tough, hard discussions because things aren't always rainbows and butterflies in healthcare. There's tough decisions that have to be made. There's, there's difficult scenarios that have to, to have to occur to, to make progress. So I think having very comfortable communication skills and interacting with others is, would be my number one. I think you have to have a, a very strong base in just technology and tech and understanding just Excels and running ROIs on Excels and running different analysis on on your, your technology side of things. Um, just to have that foundation, uh, you can always learn, you can always take classes, but I think it just makes things easier when you have that skill set coming in. And I think that understanding change management is, is very important as well. I think that if we want to progress, there's a lot of change that happens daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. 
that you have to be comfortable with. And so you have to, you have to manage that, right? If you want a team to be bought in and you want your, your team to continue to work hard towards your end goal and your mission. And so those, those three things I think are very important. Call each other. That's what I do. Right. Do you think, and this, I guess maybe this will be our last question because I know we're almost at time here, but do you think your MHA or your, you know, your post undergrad education prepared you for what you're doing? I think the content, the education actually in the program itself gives you a good base for the industry, a good understanding of how things have, have worked over the years of healthcare and the evolution. I think what they lack is the real world scenario planning and, and understanding of preparing students coming into the healthcare industry on how things operate and how things, how strategic planning plays into operations and operation and plays into day-to-day activity. And I think those skills are what lacking. What, what was really important was my external opportunities that the MHA provided for me. So the summer residency between your first and second year in the MHA program and getting exposed to real world work, that's where I learned the most. I think that, you know, obviously you're taking the education that you learned throughout the year and, and applying that to your experience. Experience, but I learned more from my mentors over those years and even today, probably more than I ever learned from a degree itself. I think it's those experiences and seeking out those mentors, learning from their experiences, help, you know, being coached through tough times, through tough scenarios and times that you're just unsure. That's where I, I learned the most and I gained the most valuable experience. The content itself could be updated. I think it could be more progressive and I think it could be a little more in touch with what's happening today, mm-hmm. but um, it provided a good, it provided a, a good base for coming out into the industry. So I think all of it combined, I felt prepared and I felt ready to go, but I definitely still had a lot of learning to do, which I think we all do, but mm-hmm. I, you know, it provides a good base coming in. Good to know. Well, this has been a lovely conversation. Is there um, anything else you wanted to share no, I'm super happy for the opportunity. Thanks for having me. I think this, this conversation is great. It's always exciting. And until next time, I'm happy to, to join. All right. We'll definitely have to check in to see where you end up in a year and you know, see how the employers you work with are doing and you know what new insights you can bring to our listeners. Look forward to it. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yep. Have a good one. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap.